This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. And welcome, ladies and gents, boys and girls, to this episode 13 of Tales with TR. How's everybody doing? I uh, hope you're all doing well, of course. I got to be honest, I've been, do- I've, I've, I've had better days. I'm still shaken uh, by by uh, John Prine's passing. And I know he's 73. I mean, it, it's not young. It's not, not real old. But, it, you know, it, I, I don't... And, you know, he had, he just, he had just beaten cancer. Um, it just, yeah. Regardless, he'd be alive if it wasn't for the coronavirus. I don't know for how long. He seemed to have some health issues, and he didn't look great anymore, but he was he was still torn. He was... Still writing some great songs. One of his on his last album, he had a song called "Summer's End." I, I recommend the video. Um, it's, it's a lot of you probably don't even know John Prine. So his first album, I think it's 1971. It's called John Prine. That, that's probably one that I would recommend if you had. It's it's almost all classics. If you go to uh, if you if you go to concerts, especially country or folky kind of concerts, a lot of people you've noticed have covered his songs. Angel from Montgomery, there. I saw Bonnie Raitt in uh, the '90s. God, where was that? That was on the road, Cleveland or somewhere like that. Any anyway, anyway, um, you know, and, and that's a John Prine song. And anyway, they end up doing it together years later. It's on YouTube. Uh, God, illegal smile and I. Please don't bury me. I, I can go through. He, he's got a lot of songs that aren't really on the radio. So, I mean, somewhere, somehow, I'm sure they're on the radio somewhere. But you know what I mean. It's not top 40. It's not mainstream. But a lot of people knew him and loved him. He's the kind of artist you, you, you kind of had to get introduced to. And 
1991. Wouldn't you know it, but my father, Terry Sr., was the one to introduce me and my buddy, Jeremy Charles, who I've mentioned, one of the best chefs in the world. Look him up. Um, Jeremy's got a great story. He'll be a guest on here soon. Most of you know that. Um, anyway, Jeremy came out to visit me. I was playing in Cornell, BC. It was my second year of playing there on the junior team. Most of you know that story. I was 15. It was my second year. So second year bantam really and it was my second year junior so it was a great year i was a veteran at 15 years old and uh, it was it was a lot of fun we didn't win shit but it was a lot of fun and jeremy came out at the end of the year it's like i said we were best buddies we grew up we, we chatted every day chatted we hung out every day and played on the same teams and won a lot of championships and just great great friends so dad he came out to visit me and, and you know we we're in Cornell, and it was a novelty to us to be around the mountains so much the same as when a lot of my Western friends come on over here. Uh, they want to see the, the ocean. You know, we take them at all the Signal Hill and Cape Spear and Trinity Bay, wherever it might be. I mean, there's, you're never too far from beautiful scenic ocean view in Newfoundland. Same sort of thing. So we went out there and Dad said, you know, when Jeremy comes out, we'll go to Jasper and Banff. And he, uh, true to his word, uh, Jeremy came out and, and we went on a great two-week trip all over those places. We ended up doing the same trip a few years later at the draft. But anyway, the first time, so we got in the car. I'll never, ever forget it. It's vividly in my mind, vividly. I don't know what other tapes he had, but he had probably, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't remember which specific ones. I remember John Prine, The Missing Years, and The Spin Doctors. Uh, God, what was that called? Pocket Full of Kryptonite, I think, the first album. Is either that or Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. I know there's songs, but the album was called, uh, I believe, Pocket Full of Kryptonite. Great, great, great song, too. Well-written, underrated. It's about Jimmy Olsen. Oh, no, that's Jimmy Olsen's Blues. Anyway, I'm digressing. They, the Spin Doctors, check them out, too. They're, they, they're kind of cheesy, I guess you could say. I never thought so, but a lot of people do. But that first album is Dynamite. Anyway, I, I remember the, both those albums because they were – you know, we played everything, but we just loved uh, John Prine and at the time, you know, the Spin Doctors. But uh, the Spin Doctors were a flash in the pan. But, and and the, the album we listened to by John Prine on that trip, it was called The Missing Years. And John Prine had been away for a little bit. I think he was in rehab. Well, I'm pretty sure he was. And a lot of the stars rallied behind him, like Tom Petty uh, and Bruce Springsteen, John Mellencamp. So there's a song on the album called Pitcher Show, and that remains my favorite John, John Prine song. Check out the video on YouTube. You'll see Tom Petty in there. Uh, you, a lot of Petty fans don't even realize it because what Petty helped helped him write it. And I think he, whatever the story is, uh, he helped him finish it off. And when he got out of rehab, whatever it was, he offered to play and sing on the album, and he did. So in the, if you see picture show, you'll see Tom Petty there. And, and there's this, there's another song on the album called "Take a Look at My Heart," uh, and it's either John Mellencamp wrote it and Springsteen sings on it or the other way around. Uh, and, you know, I could look it up, but just look it up yourself, whatever. It's, it's a great, I'm, I'm giving you, I'm, I'm opening a key. I'm using a key, sorry, to open a door. And inside is all of John Prine's catalog for a lot of you. And you, you are about to go on a journey. I recommend starting at the, the number one. But for Jeremy and I, 1991, The Missing Years. And then there's a song on there. It's called Jesus, The Missing Years. And it talks about all the things you might not know about Jesus. And man, 
it's hilarious. It's, it's, it's sad. It's, uh, it's everything. It's, um, poignant. It's, it's everything. So it's more that, that particular, I guess, song is, is, struck me as more humorous than anything but anyway with john prine so he has a way about him he's a great songwriter a great songwriter would probably still be an uh, understatement one of the best of his time for sure and that's probably still an understatement what he's probably top three top four five five whatever that's how i put him but it's all subjective which is a great thing right you'd never win that argument it's subjective, and we talk about it. That's why I'm trying to introduce you guys to him. If I just shut the fuck up and get back to John Prine, then we'd all be better off. So here we go. John Prine. His songs, uh, let's say, Please Don't Bury Me, In Spite of Ourselves, Fish and Whistle. I'd start with Fish and Whistle out of those three. Uh, you know, they, they almost sound fun, almost childish, almost novelty song. Like, is this a kid's album at first? I mean, I, I totally thought it was goofy. Actually, that's another song, Big Old Goofy word. World. At, at, at the very first after we listened to that album, I said, okay, I'll listen to everything else. And I heard like these songs, like, please don't bury me. And it's, it's, it, it sounded almost novelty. Like, and then when you listen to the words, like fish and whistle is probably my favorite, um, outside a picture show, you know, again, it's all subjective, but I love fish and whistle and it's per, it says so much. It sounds corny. And then when you really listen to it and you listen to what he's saying, you're like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a bit tongue in cheek, but there's a lot of r reality in there. We can all relate to some of the things he's saying. That's it. It's relatability, the subject matter, right? He could, he might dance around it in a humorous way, but, and th and that's some songs. Then there's others like Sam Stone. My God, that might be the first one I recommend. He came back from the war and, um, you know, the song is about a heroin addict that he met at the war, Sam Stone, and it'll, it'll make you cry. If you've ever cried at anything, any form of art, this will do it. Um, it was one of his first songs, but he used to be a mailman, right? He was a post, he was a, uh, he worked, yeah, I guess, I, I'm not sure. I guess I could look for how long. Fuck, I could waste our time and look it up. I will, though. I'm going to press pause one sec. Okay, so he was a post, postal worker for five years, okay, and then uh, went to war. When he came back, uh, he started to go into these, like, open mic nights and stuff. So he didn't come out of a rich family, or he didn't deal with childhood fame and, and you know, have hits right off the bat and have a living. So he, he, he writes songs about the commoner anyway. I think that's why they're so relatable. And he was, and, and I, I don't think he ever stopped, you know, hanging with the common folk, but obviously he, he made a lot more money as time went on. But, you know, he always, uh, he, he, he identified with people and that came through in his music. And, um, you know, Sam Stone, and then there's, uh, say, Summer's End, his last song or last hit. Watch that video, Jesus. Um, well, they, they can be poignant. I'm not saying every song is corny or novelty-like or childish. They're, none of them are childish once you get to know it. They're deep, uh, but some are poignant and some are humorous, but they all hit you. They all strike a note. They struck a chord because they're relatable. And anyway, um, John Prine, so the first time I saw him, I'll tell you this story before we get my guest, who's a great guest on, by the way. 
I'm pretty excited. I don't have many female guests, and we have one today. Uh, and a good reporter and a good friend. Uh, but anyway, I'll tell you this story first. So it was 2000, 2001 season, and it was uh, November. And I ended up at the end of that season or in November, so right after this, particular stint in Utah, I ended up in St. John's playing for my hometown Maple Leafs for the year. But until that point, and I was still Montreal property, so it was kind of difficult to find a place to land when you were someone else's property. But my agent, uh, Mike Barnett, got me down to Long Beach. I played one game in Long Beach, and uh, Bob Bourne phoned from Utah. I wasn't anybody's property. I just had a PTA signed, and it sounded like a better opportunity in uh, Utah. So I went to Salt Lake City. Now, I ended up playing eight games in Salt Lake City, and it was great. But what, uh, in November, and to be honest, they were st- the IHL was a different – that was the IHL. I, and the AHL had more younger, grittier players. The I was and, – and, you know, there were some fantastic players on our team. Richard Park was there then. Mark Strait used to play in the NHL. He, he was just starting out, so D-man, played in the NHL yeah, for about 10 years um, or more. Oh, God, some minor league beauties uh, we had. Uh, God, uh, um, we had Micah Avazov, I remember. Uh, we had Stu Malgunas. Um, we had, God, what was oh, Jared Scaldi, great junior and great pro. Um, played a little bit in the show, but he was a great player. Great guy, too. Uh, he was there. John Purvis, uh, Sean Talaire was there. Mick Fakoda was our tough guy, and I played with him in Montreal. He was a good fella. Uh, anyway, the point being, we had a team full of vets, good good guys. Uh, I don't know if it was the right situation. I was uh, fighting a lot, but I didn't really mind it at the time. Anyway, anyway, I'm fucking going on and on. But I was playing. I played in Utah for about a month, maybe two, or eight or nine games, and. Uh, one of the games, uh, anyway, I left for St. John's, you know, because it was a better opportunity, I thought, to play at home. But nothing against that team or Bob Borner. I think it was just an awesome situation. I talked about it with Bob before I left, actually. He recommended it. Uh, but let's see. So we were playing. Uh, I played a couple games. I was still trying to get my feet wet in the IHL. And, you know, I'm working hard. I didn't necessarily want to fight. But if it happened, no problem. Not saying I didn't want to, but I, I wasn't planning on it all the time. I wanted to score some goals. But in this particular game, I was on the fourth line. Okay, bring it on, you know. So um, Reed Simpson was out there. Now, Reed Simpson is a killer, okay, and he's an NHL veteran. For that particular year, he was in the minors. He was up and down in his career, but has a lot of NHL games and real, real tough. And I don't know if he's a lefty, but he has a hard left. Like some guys throw with both. You know, you watch Sheldon Surrey fight. You don't really know if he's a righty or a lefty. Um, well, he had a read at a fucking left on him. So anyway, we ended up fighting. I'm not sure what brought it on. I knew he was a tough guy. I, I thought I bit off maybe maybe more than I could chew, right? He's in the Domi category, right? He's the he was up there in the NHL to fight those guys, and I could handle them sometimes. I, I I'd fight those guys to try not to lose. You know, I I didn't want to leave myself out there. I knew I wasn't gonna beat them. So it's about momentum. I also knew that if I fight Reed Simpson and I do okay, my team's gonna see that as a as a courageous move and we're probably going to get some momentum i mean a lot of my fighting was that if you look at them a lot of them are even right there i don't i don't win a whole lot but i don't lose a whole lot um 
a lot of them are like, ah, oh, maybe give the nod here or there. Or I'm just trying to stand up. I'm not. I'm trying to not go down because most of the guys, if you watch, I'm fighting, are out of my weight or definitely toughness class. Uh, and by that, then you then you start learning how to do it yourself, right? But that was always my mentality. Like in junior, people say, like, why did you fight? say Wade Belak or, or Rocky Thompson. It was the exact same thing. If they see me, my team sees me fight Wade Belak and not go down and get killed, then maybe they'll play with a little bit of emotion. You know, Terry's one of us. He's one of our buddies and uh, maybe not don't want to fight Wade Belak, but he doesn't come off as the, you know, the absolute super villain that you might've thought he was uh, indestructible. Right. So anyway, uh, Reed Simpson's out there and he's, uh, I won't say he's chirping. He knows he's, I can't remember what he says to me, but he makes it clear if you want to go. So shortly later we we get tied up and and we fight. And I do okay. I think it's on YouTube from a couple of different angles. I believe I don't watch it a lot because he kind of fed me, but I stood up and it was Reed Simpson. And I was, when I went to the penalty box, I was okay. I went, you know, that's an all right fight. And I looked over at Reed and I, we had some mutual friends. I remember Nathan Parrott telling me he was a great guy and uh, a few others. So I, you know, I struck up a conversation and I, I said to Reed, I don't know if he remembers this. He's on my Facebook, actually. But I don't know if he remembers. But I said, I think that's John Prine. And I looked and I thought I saw John Prine in the, in the, in the crowd by the penalty box. And I went in the dressing room in between periods. I, I still, I, I think I said it looks like John Prine, but I didn't really think it was John Prine. And, and whatever it happened. So I went in and I was telling the trainer because I fucked up my hand a little bit. And I was going in and getting, I can't remember, it was stitches in my knuckle, I think. Something like that. Not that I, not that I beat Reed. I must have hit his helmet or something. Whatever. While I was in there getting tended to, uh, the trainer, great guy with a big mustache. Anybody help me out that used to play in Utah. I, great fella. And he says, he gives me the paper. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading it as I'm getting tended to. And it, it talks about John Prime there. He's playing the, either like, say this is Thursday. Well, he's playing Friday or Saturday. So uh, then I'm thinking to myself, it, it is John Prine. He's at the game, I guess, for entertainment or whatever. You know, well, why else would you be there? He's at my game. Like, I'd like to go see him. So I come back out. Now, I think I see him again. But when I look over, he's after skating around. We go to the box. And I don't see John Prine anymore. But the people that he's with are right there. And they look like security people. You know what I mean? Like, they look like they're at the game not to watch it, but to, to – you know, to not protect somebody, but to escort somebody, whatever. So then I figured it out. So I, much as I often did, I uh, wrote a letter I got from the scorekeeper and uh, wrote it on a sheet of paper and kind of slipped it out, got their attention, slipped it to a fan. The fan brought it over. And then I got a letter back with a couple of tickets in it for the next night, whenever it was for the show. Uh, and I went, I ended up going, I think I mentioned it to read in the penalty box, but whatever it was, I was ecstatic and I went in and I couldn't find anybody on my team to go. There were a few people that were kind of interested, but they had shit to do. And you know, they lived there. A lot of them lived there with their wives and families and girlfriends. I was still in the hotel, right? I just, I didn't even know where I was going to play the rest of the season. I was hoping Utah, but you know, when St. John's phone, I ended up going there. I I, I really, um, so with so much uncertainty, I was at the hotel, so I really didn't want to stay there alone at the time. I'm much more comfortable alone now than I was then. And uh, what a great thing to do. So I took the tickets. I ended up going. I sold one to a guy that was in the same boat that really loved John Prine and had never seen him outside, and he came in. And we were about four rows back right in the middle. It was deadly. Uh, It was like an arts and culture center type thing, um, amphitheater, and it was just awesome. And he he ended up – he didn't – 
acknowledge the hockey game, but I've heard later through mutual friends, there's a concert promoter I know in, in New Brunswick and his name is Wayne Gamble. And Wayne, I remember mentioning in passing, I wish I had dug into it a little bit more, but he said that he did know a little bit about hockey and uh, he, he enjoyed it and thought it was pretty entertaining. I guess that's why he was there. But in any case, John Prine, that was my one, that was my first time I saw him. And uh, each time is an emotional journey. It's a journey when you see John Prine. There's somebody, and the more songs you get to know, the more of a journey it is. And each, story, each song tells a story. And uh, a lot of them are catchy. And I highly recommend him. He was a good person. And uh, off the top of my head, you know, I'll put up a Spotify playlist of my favorite John Prine. I got those YouTube playlists. So all my YouTube, all my Spotify, you know, I organize them in, in the collections. But there's a lot of mess there. But for those of you that are following, I'll do my favorite John Prine list of about 20 or 30 songs coming up this week. And uh, for those of you that have no idea and you have to start somewhere, I'll give you some of my my, my top five say picture show, uh, check out Fish and Whistle, check out Lake Marie, check out Paradise, and uh, God, there's so many. Paradise. Um, let's say Angel from Montgomery, and let's throw in Take a Look at My Heart, and I'm going to toss in as a little bit of spice on the top of all those Sins of Memphisto which is another way, way underrated song. Uh, even some Prime fans are mystified when I put that one on. But anyway, those are some of my favorites. Now, okay. Pretty excited to have, uh, like I said, don't have a lot of female guests on Third Man In. We had Tara Sloan, and I believe that might have been it, uh, because I know that there's uh, part of the listening audience that likes to be represented here and there. And so... And not only that, I, I, I don't, I'm not just having her on because she's female. Don't mix those two things up. She's a very, very good reporter. And uh, she does the fantasy stuff now for ESPN. So those of you that are in the fantasy hockey, you don't keep that job unless you're good at it because people would be, uh, they, they wouldn't be tuning into what you had to say. So she's consistently uh, picks them right and uh, picks them deep. She uh, has a huge, vast knowledge of the sports world, and especially the hockey world. So right now we're going to go and uh, hear a word from our sponsors, whatever the hell you're going to do. And um, I'll be back in two shakes of lamb's tail. Hey, folks, we have a great offer from our friends at Southern Scholar. SouthernScholar.com makes the highest quality and best-looking dress socks for your wardrobe. And if you use the promo code THPN at the checkout, you'll receive $5 off your next purchase. That's southernscholar.com, promo code THPN. Now back to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my next guest has had an interesting career as a respected member of the sports media community. She resides in Toronto and has covered sports for TSN and ESPN, amongst others. These days, you can find her at ESPN.com, where she covers fantasy hockey. So pay attention, gamblers. She is a boisterous broadcaster, an amazing analyst, a fantastic friend, a tantalizing Torontonian. Her name isn't Iris, and she doesn't have the virus. St. Louis sings Gloria while ESPN employs Victoria. 
I like Squid. She was an athletic kid. She's an average snowboarder, but an excellent reporter. Way back when, she worked for TSN. This chat I crash is with my friend, Victoria Mediash. Victoria, <laughs> how you doing? I'm great, and I, I have never received an introduction like that in my whole life. And the fact that you found something to rhyme with Mattyash is probably <laughs> Chat I crash. It took a while. It took a while. I was going, had I smash? But how can I, how can I put this into context? Okay. It works. There it is. Um, it's great to talk to you. It's great to uh, actually see you. Yeah, it's nice. It's been a couple of years, I think. It has been. So how, um, how are you doing? How are you guys living? Ooh, under current circumstances? Yeah. It's, um, um, we have it pretty lucky in my household. Uh, my husband and I like each other, so that helps. That's good. He's still, he, oh, it is. And I mean, there's uh, relationships out there that, are not in the same good shape. And I feel sorry for people like that. Yeah. Um, right. uh, he's still working. I'm working not at all, which is frustrating, but he still is. So financially we're all right. Um, not great, but we're okay. A lot of, again, a lot of other people are in much, much worse shape. So I think we're pretty grateful for the circumstance for what we have under the circumstances, but we're also going a little nuts here. And, um, my anxiety is through the roof, but other than that, if that's all I have to complain about, yeah, I don't really have much. I, I hear you. I'm actually in kind of the same position. And when I say, when you say you're not working, though, you're not getting paid. I bet you're working. I'm here writing and I'm, uh, you know, even just watching YouTube and collecting stuff is stuff to talk about on my podcast, whatever it might be. You seem like the type of person that's always thinking. You're not oh, just, I, I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm busy, yeah, but you're busy. right. I'm not earning an income right now. So, and I'm just, it's, I'm out of my usual routine and just getting, we were looking forward to wrapping up the NHL season and just poof. The second that the NBA season got canceled, I knew the next morning I would be writing a column that would never be posted, which is exactly what happened because yeah. halfway through that Thursday, uh, the call came out that they're just they're canceling the season and if i'm a fantasy writer if they're not playing i have nothing to write about so it's uh, first of all what i was going to say is it frustrating to have an article written i've done that a few times yes it, it I, I lose my mind like it, it's one of the my biggest uh anxiety creators pet peeves is when i the computer crash or i have or i have or i have something written and you know whoever I wrote it for maybe decides it against it or whatever. There's a right. lot that I've had in the bag. Is that frustrating? I mean, in this particular case, I knew it was dead column walking, right? Like I knew it was not going anywhere, so I wasn't putting my heart and soul into it because we we knew it was only a matter of a couple of hours that Batman was going to pull the shoot. So I wasn't, but I still had to do it just in case. Um, so no, I, I wasn't killing myself. I wasn't putting in my usual effort, I will admit, to that Thursday morning because, again, once the NBA said we're done, it was only going to be a matter of hours, minutes, days before everybody else followed suit, which is exactly what happened. Uh, that was a, just a crazy four or five days. Uh, how, yes, it was. Just the house of cards just came crashing down all over North America. Now, we'll it ain't good, it but it's, yeah, I know. It's we'll just crazy. Like on, on, on Tuesday, that would have seemed just ludicrous. People going, come on, use your head. They're not going to shut down. And then a week later, everything shut. The, the, the NHL, the NBA is one thing. But I mean, all of a sudden, we couldn't go to bars or restaurants. I'm not complaining. That's I get right. it. That, uh, but just it all happened within like a few days. Um, but listen, getting back to the fantasy now. So you've been involved in sports media for a while. How did you get into the fantasy part of it? I think 
that would be one of the hardest things to do because you have to be giving good tips. You have to be have, you, you have to be informed, not that you're not, but I would feel a little bit more pressure had I been doing it for the fantasy people. How did you get into it? Um, I'll try and keep the story because it's, it's convoluted like most life stories are. I'll try and keep it as, as short as possible. It was 2006, I believe. Yes, it was 2006. I was working at a radio station in Timmins. So Northern Ontario, and I joined a fantasy baseball league. So not hockey, baseball. And I met, it was uh, one that the, the league itself, it's still active to this day. It's very, very serious. Um, it involves a bunch of broadcast journalists, not only from Ontario, but actually from out east as well, in your neck of the woods. And we all got together, not all of us, but four or five of us all met in Toronto and went to a baseball game, went to a Jays game and hung out on one occasion, just members of this fantasy baseball league. And a couple of them were writing for a website called Talented Mr. Roto. And the website was based in California and it was run by Matthew Berry, who was talented, the talented Mr. Roto. And they convinced me to submit an article to start writing for them. And the pay was near nothing, but it was something to do. And this is when you're starting out and trying to, you know, yeah. you're branching out into different parts of media. I had the radio thing going on, but I wanted to do something more sports related. And so my first piece was on the World Cup of Soccer was going on. So I wrote a prognosticating piece on who would advance to the elite eight and they loved it well they liked it well enough i guess and they published it and then i got on with them and wrote baseball and football and then covered a whole hockey season for fantasy with the from the fantasy angle it was a fantasy website and about a year and a half later or so espn bought matthew berry and he took a few of us with him. And so it was extremely good fortune and good timing on my behalf. And that was 13 years ago. That's great news. Uh, and you've told me bits of that story before. I didn't realize it was 13 years ago. Um, 2000, I, start, I wrote my first article for ESPN in 2007. I forgot all that. You, yeah, we went for a bite to eat a few years ago in Toronto there. And uh, I remember the stories, uh, what, I, what I find most impressive it's unique. It's it's the timing is great. There's a bit of luck involved. Oh, but, a lot of luck. A lot of luck involved. Well, right, I mean, right, you, you have to at a certain point, but you got you're real good at what you do. But my question here: How do you prepare for all those sports? I find it hard enough just to follow. I find there's certain members of the media community, like I don't know, my buddies and I like to watch. Let's say I don't know Jeff O'Neill or 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 Bob McKay. Right. There's, there's the TSN guys. I don't know. Let's say Sportsnet. You know, there's, there's Ken Reed that'll, uh, you know, he's not analyzing. I guess he's reporting on a lot of it. There's analysts that do hockey. There's ones that do football. But every once in a while, there's guys like you or people like you, guys like Tim and Sid. They have to, they have to know everything about everything. I don't know how you do it. Like, is your whole day studying? Well, I mean, now it's I was a little bit different. Over the course of your career, though, you've had to. Yes, yeah, so I should preface there. Over the course of your career, you've had to cover a lot of sports, and you can't just dive in and learn a sport overnight. How do you keep up to date on all of them? I mean, you have to be a big fan. I think that's basically it. If you're spending a lot of your free time, as I do, I'm not that into movies and music like others. Um, television doesn't really do much for me. I watch sports. So I'm going a little bit nuts right now because of the I lack see. of that. I didn't but, realize that much about, yeah, you could, because I'm like, you know, I have a huge, like today I listen to three full albums. 
right? For no reason other than I'm, I'm into right. music. I, John Prine died. I guess I listened to a John Prine. Right. And I threw in a couple other, you know, big shiny tunes, late 90s, get it going. That might take me over to, oh, okay, Stone Temple Pilots. I forgot about them. Let me listen to an album. I spend a lot of time in the day doing that stuff. So maybe that's, because I really am totally uh, impressed is one thing, but I, I don't think I would be able to do it. There are things I'm impressed with that I think I could do. I don't think I could do what you do. But I mean, you wouldn't I, want to because you're yeah. not the super fan. Yeah, so right. why would you, well, right? Yeah, I true. To, I would be a lousy music critic, but I don't want to be a music critic. I like music well enough, but I don't like it. Like I guess, music. yeah, I guess that's the answer. Right? I, I, I don't like sports. as I mean, I, I stay relevant. I, turn, I could care less about the NFL. I watch it, so I'll keep up. I don't gamble like everybody else, but I watch the highlights because I want to know what people are talking about. It does, I don't like to not be even in a conversation. If you haven't noticed, I talk a lot. But mm-hmm. I watch certain things. Yeah, it's not hard to watch football, and there's some great players, and I love to watch the best of what they're going to do regardless. But it doesn't turn my crank, no. It was always on in my house growing up, always. And I get it, and people are like, oh, your dad must have really been into sports. And it was actually my nana. It was my mom's mom. And she was hardcore um, New Englander, so she loved her Red Sox. She loved her um, Celtics. She loved her Pats. She loved her Bruins and talked about it all the time. And the, the television was always on sports all the way growing up since I was a little kid. So I couldn't speak intelligently on rugby, but I mean, there's certain sports that I'm, I'm, I'm not great with basketball, to be honest, and I've never really covered it, covered it. I'm a Raptors fan and all the rest of it, but I'm not, you know, ultra focused on it. But the rest of it, if, if there's a curling event going on, it's on the television. If now. there's a tennis major going on, it's on the television. Right now, without anything on the television, I'm reading a, a books about sports. I'm reading a book right now from uh, by Mark Hebsher, you might remember, um, yeah. from Sportsline back in the day. And so I'm reading it. That, this is what's feeding my, my hunger for what I'm missing, is I'm not listening to three albums. I'm, I'm reading yeah. up on different sports stories, but man, I miss it. I hope when they get back to it, they do it properly and they do it safely, but I really do miss it. That passion so. is commendable. Um, what about Briar? I know you went to your first Briar recently, didn't you? That's right. Ac- actually attended? Yeah, that's right. I, attended in oh, I just saw your Facebook. Walk, it popped it up on Facebook a few weeks ago. Did it? Um, it was down Maybe Kingston. it was a little bit more than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Right? So it was in Kingston. That was, and I've always wanted to go either, either a Scotties or a Briar, and I'd love to go to a world championship when you know, Canada has the next opportunity to host one in my province. And Kingston is a two-and-a-half-hour drive away from me, and I wasn't doing anything that day, and it was outrageously spontaneous. I bought the ticket the day before, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. It was so fun. It exceeded my expectations. Everybody should go to a, to a, a curling bond spiel at whatever variety. The people are so fun. But watching them all play simultaneously, there's always something happening. Deadly, isn't it? I went to one briar. Who's here? Who's here? Oh, you have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was rooting, actually, I was rooting for your boy, Gushu. Yeah. Um, so I was happy that he ended up winning at the end because I've watched him forever. I mean, when somebody wins you an Olympic gold, I guess you start, you're a fan no matter what part of the country you're well, part of. Well, now imagine being from Newfoundland where we don't oh, get Olympic f- anything. We don't I get mean, Olympic athletes, let alone a gold medal. Honestly, there's more people in curling here now. Like when I say a few more people got involved, like tenfold, everybody right. plays, like, a lot of people play curling. I've gone, I never curled in my life, but I've gone at least 10 times since. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's don't you really, find it really hard when you, you do it. You watch that and you're like, that looks so simple. And then you try and throw a rock yourself and yeah. then you're, you're on your ass and that's the end yeah. of that. Like it's really tough. And so for, for the men and women to play with such precision, um, I find it really admirable. And he seems like a pretty good dude too, isn't you he? You know what? Yeah, really, really down there. Well, yeah, totally, totally. He's from Mount yeah. Pearl, from my hometown. So, And I, when they won it, I was 
the girl I was dating at the time, her father was the coach, Toby McDonald. So I got to know all those guys when they were in 2006, when they were, or I think it was five, actually, the playdowns. They won in Halifax, I believe it was. And we were looking at the TV and we couldn't believe that Brad got to go. We were like, oh my God, they're going to go to the Olympics. It was a party. Like you could hear horns going off. Newfoundland people were driving. And that was just That's the play down. It wasn't the briar because it was the playdowns that had to come That's before right. it. So yeah. then they went to the Olympics. Like we were just happy they were there. Like I don't, then, you know, we started to talk about it and people were like, you know, he's, he's going representing Canada. Like there's a chance he's going to win Canada. We're looking at the results. Jeez, Canada often does well because I really wasn't into curling. And then. But isn't that the beauty of sport? But that's the yeah, beauty yeah. of sport. It brings everybody together. Whether you have $3 in your bank account or you have $3 billion in your oh, bank account, yeah. it doesn't matter. You can support your man. You can support your woman. You can support your team. And it brings everybody together. That's that's one of the many, many, many things I love about sports. But that's it's a, a good point. That, yeah, you know what? That was kind of there, – there's an extension of that is, was the point of my book. I know my book has a lot of crazy stories. Not that I'm trying to plug it, but I do relate to what you're saying because – Plug away. It brings people together. Like, that's my thing about a hockey dressing room. I've often said, you know, if you took the beginning of the year and, and then to the end and took mm -hmm. everything that went on and, you know, take the leaders out of there and how do people react to certain situations. And there are some people that do it with humor. There are some people that do it uh, with total professionalism like John Beliveau. Uh, Jean Beliveau, um, there are some people that do it um, by being loud and in your face and, and not necessarily in a bad way, but it brings people together. And that's just hockey. God, I wish I was into the other sports like you were, um, or like you are. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to skip over this question. So because you were an athlete. So did that? I'm, I'm not, I'm not an athlete. No, you were growing I'm, up. I'm in, I was, I was enthusiastic. <laughs> you played sports. I like playing, I like playing sports. I played softball i played hockey in fact i was so disappointed i just got an email um canceling the the spring ball. i was playing ball hockey this spring for the first time i've only okay. played ice hockey i've never played ball hockey Love it. and they we just it obviously the league got canceled you can't compete in that the you know um with everything that's going on right now you can't come together so they're pushing it to, to next year i'm very enthusiastic i enjoy playing tennis Badminton, I'm not terribly. I'm not terribly good at any of them, <laughs> but I'm yeah. all. But I like it. But I you're you're hard on yourself. The fact that you do it, you're an athlete. You might not be in some of those sports a an exceptional athlete, but you're an athlete. You wouldn't be doing far it. cry from exceptional. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. There you go. It's just, I know what that's like too. By the way, <laughs> uh, you know, for two years ago I stopped. I don't want to say the word retired, but I played in the local baseball league, and I'm completely average. I'm an, I'm enough to make the team. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy that. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's if I'm coming at it from a different angle of, of being so in the spotlight in another sport, because uh, you know you could argue I'm going down the bison like why in the hell is this guy playing? What, what's he doing? But I just played growing up and I enjoyed doing it and I like going yes. down average and I consider myself an athlete when it comes to baseball. I might not be a great player, but I think that's where you are. You badminton, didn't you? Oh, I was. That was the only sport I would say that I excelled at. Yeah, I played it fairly seriously all through all through high school, and I was. I was. I can say I was good at it. Absolutely. Um, but everything else, everything else, I was a very enthusiastic participant. But I was listening to one of your earlier podcasts, and I was nodding along with you vigorously when you're talking about people who go to the gym and go jogging and how it's difficult for you to get into it. Yeah. And I'm I'm the same way. For me to get exercise, it has to be something competitive. You have to be, right. I have to be playing a game of some sort. I have, I will go for a run if there's nothing else going on. Like right yeah. now, I'm making sure I'm getting a good walk in every day. Otherwise, I mean, with all the bread we're eating, I'm going to be 350 pounds in about yeah. a month. But so it's a mind state. You're making yourself do it and you're out there going. You have, you have to, but yeah. I hate it. 
I yeah, absolutely fucking despise it. I yeah. cannot stand, I'm counting down the minutes until I'm done, so it's over with. Whereas I'll go and play tennis with my husband, and we'll play for 45 minutes, and I, I could go on and on and on. I know. Now imagine because doing that. Enjoyable. Imagine playing tennis. I've often, people ask, they're like, yeah, you're playing a sport there. Are you getting the same workout? I'm like, I'm getting a better workout. Picture playing tennis with no ball. Now do that exact, do those motions right. that you're doing. Now take the ball, computer generated, whatever you're watching. Now take the ball out and picture those people are just running. My God, the back and forth on the knees. You'd be done after 20 minutes, right? But, but the fact that you're playing a game, you keep going and going. Like for me, if I got to go for a run, like I know now I have to because I have to keep my body. It's biology, right? I have to do it. But if there's something on my mind, it stays on my mind. I'm out there going, oh, I'm going to get that. I'm going to write that book. And I'm going to. It's a good right. it's a motivation. But it's a hard with the other way. If I go to play hockey, I'm not even thinking about the book or my bill. You're distracted or, by the game. Yeah, You're I'm distracted. distracted by the game <laughs> itself. No, it's true. If I get into an argument with my brother and I go for a jog, I'm replaying the argument <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. Whereas if I go out and, again, hit a, hit a tennis ball back and forth with someone or play a, a game of hockey or anything, it's gone. You're just focused on something gone. else. Yeah, and then when the you do come release. back, when you do come back to the original problem, it doesn't seem half as as bad you're like geez what was i what was i stressing about a lot of the time always um, always how so what when did you decide on a career and did you go to a, what was it journalism broadcasting like there are differences analyzing well, i came is, to it i came to it late so i went to um the university of western ontario right out of uh, right out of high school without any idea of what i wanted to do i had ideas but I wasn't sure at all. And I'm not going to say it was a waste of time because it wasn't because anytime that you're learning something, um, it's, it's, it's great. It was a great experience. And I learned a lot about how to learn and how to process information, but I was in the social sciences. I was a political science major. So I'm certain, I'm, it certainly has helped me on later on in life, but I left university and just worked in restaurants and bars for years. Where? At, uh, where? In Toronto. I ran away to England and worked in London, England for two years. I went by myself. That was incredible. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Wow, Did a whole bunch great. of traveling. Yeah, I traveled a great lot. Great for the there. mind. You must have felt, oh man, such a burden that you didn't even know was there. I found that when I started traveling. Burden might be a bad way to put it, but there was, so, I, I remember like it just opened up. I hate to use the word find my, found myself, those words. I, I really hate it. But if there was one time, it's probably the first time I started traveling, especially. I think uh, you discover, I think you discover things about yourself when you're traveling, especially when you're alone. And I you're, think you discover you're a lot new, about yourself. You're 18 or something or 19. No, no, I was, no, this was after university. So I was 22. I was yeah, 22, okay. but I had absolutely yeah. no idea what the hell what I was doing. I did. I was very ill prepared. I, I again was very fortunate that I found work over there right away because otherwise I would have been screwed. And I was there for nearly two years working in bars and restaurants. I had a blast, did a bunch of traveling, then came back to Toronto. So I didn't go back to London, Ontario, where, I, where the university, because I left university, came back to Toronto. So generally where I'm from, I'm from Mississauga originally. So came back to Toronto, worked in bars and restaurants for about five years, uh, four or five years. And then it got to a point I was getting into my later 20s and I did not want to continue to bartend for the rest of my life. I knew that. I didn't quite know what to do. And I was looking through college programs I wanted something quick. I didn't want to go back to university for four years. So in my later 20s, and I discovered the program Broadcast Journalism at Seneca College, and you could go consecutively, so you could be done in just over a year, four semesters, but 
you, nice. you know, back to back, no summer off or anything. Yeah. And because I'm a grown, I'm, I was a I'm grown up adult. I had to spend the money on tuition. I still had to support myself. You're not li living with mom and dad anymore. Right. Yeah. And, uh, they, my dad helped me out a little bit, but again, you're, you're older and that's why I got into it. So I started in radio when I was 29. That was my, how old I was when I w went up to Northern Ontario and started and co-hosted the morning show. Now there's a whole nother part of this that I haven't touched on. That's probably obvious to some, definitely me. At that time, there wasn't a whole lot of women doing what you were doing. So do, did you there know were, that when you went in or were you? There were. No, um, as opposed to now. Now I think would be a There's a lot more now. So because I interned at TSN when I was 28. So 18 years ago? No, 17 years ago, something like that. And Jennifer Hedger was there. And I think there was one. I think Lisa Bowles was there at the time. And that was it. Okay. And... And when you got into yeah. it, when you decided to go to Seneca, was there, so you were doing it just because you love sports. It wasn't like a, a young woman now going, oh, Haley Wickenheiser's doing it. I'm going to do it. You didn't have anybody like that, did you? Or did you have a role model or just said, I'm in That I looked up to growing yeah. up. It was, it was, uh, uh, Teresa, well, it's Teresa Cruz now. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. And she was on, um, so she was an anchor on, on TSN Sports Center and she was my one example that proved it was possible. And I, I never wanted to be on television. I always tell everybody I like to be listened to. I don't like to be watched. And, but I always, I listened to sports radio growing up when the fans started, I was listening every single day and I wanted to do that. And Barb DiGiulio was doing it. And Bar she's now a friend of mine because we work together at uh, 1010 here in Toronto. And I, again, it was, if you can see it, you can be it. it you hear it all the time. And there was, uh, so long as there was one woman doing it, then you, again, it, the world has opened up now. Way, I think I you're part of that, though. You're part of that. Not the, well, yeah, the world by extension, but, you know, any Canadian that's, you know, that shouldn't even say that because you're ESPN, you're all over. I, I'm, I'm eating my words here. You know what I mean? You're part of the innovation that took place. I mean, yeah, there were two or three women doing it, but, you know, you came there in. Weren't, the there weren't, when I, when I first got into fantasy sports, there was two of us. <laughs> there was me and Janet, two women. Oh. And actually... I would, somebody wrote an article for the Wall Street Journal. I'll never forget this. And they called me up for a quote. And I was mentioned in this article in Fantasy Sports, how there's only two women who are doing it on, on some sort of major platform. I'm sure there's, there was bloggers and but yeah, anybody yeah. on a major platform. And I remember that was a bit of a wow moment for me. But you don't think about it. You just, when you're doing something you love so much, and I know I'm a fantasy writer, but to me, I'm just writing about hockey right? Yeah. So you're watching all, uh, you watch a lot of hockey and you read a lot about hockey and the longer I've done it for 13 years. So it's obviously a lot easier to do it now than when you first start, when you have to learn all of it. Um, but all but of I'm, it is more than people think. Sorry, I'll cut you off. Yeah. Finish. Uh, uh, more, uh, what I was going to say, it, it's more than, because all of it means like you must have to know the minor leagues and stuff. You must know if someone comes up. Well, I mean, at ESPN, so the, uh, the other good part is I've done other things there. So I, I, I didn't run it because, it, but I covered Rumor Central for five, four or five years. Um, I did the draft blog for the 2013 draft. That was my favorite job with ESPN. I loved that. So when you're covering the draft eligible players, it's easier to, you know who they are, yeah. right? It's like, yeah, I yeah. was less surprised that Bo Horvat turned out to be as good as he was because I tracked him that entire season when he played with the London Knights. Now. And I interviewed him, and I talked to him. Same with Max Domi, Domi. Same with Sean Monaghan. 
you know, like I like that. Cares. Doesn't that, isn't that interesting when you're, that's oh, yeah. happened to me a few times. It must happen to you all the time because it's literally your job is to, but you sometimes I'll, I'll look at someone when he's like 15 uh, or her. Now there's lots of girls from here that ended up going away and excelling and I'll go, you know, like she's, it'll really surprise me if she doesn't make it. And then sure enough, like four years at Providence college, you're like, Oh, they, no wonder, you know, you, you see someone in on the early level, which I mean, yeah, I, I can think of a few cause of hockey school, but you're mm -hmm. literally covering them for yeah. your job. Well, and that, again, it was that particular year. So everybody who graduated, graduated, who uh, was drafted in 2013, especially if they played in the OHL, I was pretty intimate with because I watched them play a lot. And I remember that year, of course, it wasn't, it wasn't Connor McDavid's year. He was younger. It was when he was playing with the Erie Otters. And it's just like you said, when he played, he'd come out, out on the ice and you could tell there was a difference right away. right away. I'm not a professional scout. I've never had that background, but just watching him and you're like, that kid is different. And I think, I think it might've been even, he might've only been 16 that year. I can't remember exactly, but it is, you knew, you knew he was going to be something. You, by different. the way, by the way, you could easily be a professional scout, easily, um, without, without question, and you'd be a good one. I don't even need to assume. Okay, uh, have you ever been in a fist fight? Um, I wouldn't have called it that, no. I, I've hit somebody. It was very, very, very long time ago. It was at a, it was at a Pearl Jam Soundgarden concert. Wow! At a grunge um, concert in the 90s. It was, yep. And I think I was 18 and I was with a very small, uh, a friend of mine and she's very petite and some, somebody was being unpleasant towards her and I hammer fisted him in the nose and it, oh, was, and it, it, it made a really bad sound. And I was, I worried for a long time after that if I had actually really hurt him because security came in and actually hauled him off. They left me alone, which was nice. And, um, that's that's the last time I hit somebody. I have never been in a fist fight, though. No. If you could pick one song uh, that would be a parallel of your life, what would it be? Oh boy! I think there's a song by the Headstones that's called "That Bitch Is Super Smart." Oh, oh is there? This is wild so. that you even said that. So, you know, do you use Spotify <laughs> at all? At, at all? When, when you go on Spotify and it'll go like, if you like this artist, you might like this artist. Um, um, so anyway, the Headstones came up for me a couple days ago, and I should know all about them. I only know a couple songs, so I'm getting right I, into I, I think that the song might have been called that, but it's certainly a line in the song, and I always remember <laughs> I would sing that. I'd sing that to pump myself up if I was doing something for the first time and I was really nervous, or it was a speaking engagement, or if I was hosting something. And I, I'd sing that song along in my head. So, um, yeah, probably that one. <laughs> uh, ACDC or John Denver? ACDC. Oh yeah, not okay. even close. Okay, ACDC AC would come above a lot of other bands, though, or a lot of other artists. Okay, so yes, and you, so you, you do like certain music, and you just don't spend. I do, uh, I do, yeah. and I listen to music, and I, I like a lot of different music. Um, probably, I would say only country western is not to my taste. Everything else, I I like. Who's I, your favorite? Who's my favorite of all time? Like artist? Yeah. I'm a big Tori. I'm a big Tori Amos fan. Wow. 
Nice pick. You know what? I don't think anybody else has ever said that. And I have her not... entire discography. I uh, listen to her a lot. I think she's absolutely brilliant. I mean, that's a mood thing too. Like if you're in the mood to listen to Tom Petty, you're not going to listen to Tori Amos. If you're in the mood to listen to Metallica, you're not going to listen to Tori Amos. But uh, she is she is a, an artist I admire a lot. If if you had if you were the coach of Team Canada in '98, would you have sent Gretzky to shoot? <laughs> what in retrospect <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes i would have. i, I figured yes, I, I don't know why that popped into my head i figured uh you'd have an interesting take on i that. watched that i watched that game in london and it was awful because at least if you're home in canada you could commiserate with your fellow citizens <laughs> And I was by myself. And oh, yeah, that would have felt everybody lonely. Everybody in London, oh, oh, everybody was just riding me. And you, oh, you Canadians think you're so great at hockey. Look at just what happened to you. It was a very lonely experience watching it over there. Misery I, yeah, loves you, company. You know, what's, you know what's funny? I didn't, when I asked, I, I forgot that you were over there at the time. I was but, there yeah, 90, so, 97, 98, 99. That's I, I was saying. actually with, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was with, I remember a few, um, a few moderate hockey fans. And that's well, you would have been out west. When did you been in BC at that point? No, I was um, I was over here in Fredericton. Where are you? Okay. And um, we were out at a bar. And anyway, it was funny because a couple of non-hockey fans asked me, and uh, they were like, "So, they were trying to put it in perspective. They were like, so." He's like the best ever, right? I'm like, yeah, and he's the best player ever. And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of people say that. I think more people would say Wayne Gretzky than anybody else. And they're like, okay, like, so if, if, we were at, if we were at soccer and Argentina was in in the 80s, it's like not putting Diego Maradona. I'm like, I never thought about it like that. I'm like, no, I guess because I'm from Canada and I know all the players and I could make an argument for Joe Sackick or whoever it's going to be. But I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, he, he didn't shoot. And the guy's like, wouldn't you just put him in? Just in and I'm like, yeah, I guess you would. I, that, I didn't even have that ready to ask you. It just popped into my head because I'm going to play well, it Well, it's just an, another case of when the most obvious answer is the right one. And I think a lot of, <laughs> a lot of times we just overlook, we overthink things, and, when, and you overthink it to the point of you just you wrong yourself out of the situation. And that's, I think, what, what happened there. What is your, what do you think, if you had to pick one goal in hockey that would be the most important goal ever? Oh, it's going to be Sidney Crosby's, 100%, in, in 2010. The golden goal, there's nothing. So, nothing in, I, so the most important, not to Canada, just the most important goal. But that's question one, then we'll go back. So the Canadians, okay. So it's because it's Olympics, because I love, I love the Lemieux goal. And the, it's only the Henderson, the Lemieux, or the Crosby, really. That's the only okay. Thing. If it's Canada, but, if it's overall, I might pick Oars. Are you, are you talking, you're talking 87 for Lemieux? Yeah, if I had to pick one, you know, because that, the, Henry, the, Henry, the Henderson goal was obviously massive, but I wasn't alive for that barely. Yeah. But I wasn't around, and neither were you. It can still so be a favorite. Have, so, okay, so yeah, I love how you're twisting the question around. You're you're changing the question and throwing it back at me. Okay, since we've been alive, then <laughs> I love how you so did this. But I'm, I'm going to grant it. I'm, I'm going to grant it because I love that you did it. So I will. Thank you. I will. Uh, I'm, I'm sticking with Sidney Crosby. So I guess winning Canada, winning gold on home soil in overtime or whatever it was, and just sealing the deal. And I don't know. I, I can't. That's now the first I, thing that comes to my mind. It's all subjective. Uh, although there is a level of there is a level of importance 
So it's, it's touches on leans with you anyway, because the Olympics are the Olympics. If I had to make an argument outside looking in to Henderson and the Crosby meant more, but the Lemieux, you get Gretzky to Lemieux and just those words, Gretzky to Lemieux. And then sure. how, how he put it under the bar in like classic. It's just like, you know, of course he was going to do that. Of course, Larry Murphy was wide open. And of course it was game three, another six to five win in cops Coliseum. There's just a lot that added up, but the more I think about it, those are subjective and it meant a lot to me personally, but yeah, Crosby. If you been of that age, you would have been of a, 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 a when, when we fall in love with stuff, our favorite authors, our favorite artists, 13, 14, 15. That's, that's when we're discovering who we are and our favorite. It is. Stephen Brunt says that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it, I think it goes for sports as well. So you would have been at a very impressionable age yeah. when Mary scored that goal. So it, it would have struck, it would have struck you more. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but there's no wrong answer. Like you said, it is subjective. And now uh, I'll expand it a little bit to go back to what I was going to say first. Then what, what about what would you think is the most important goal of all time in the NHL? <sighs> there's so many I thought about this before I don't even really like that I asked the questions because you could say the first goal ever scored you could say the Maurice Richard's 50 and 50 you could see Gretzky's 50 and 39 you could say Orr's OT I mean that's I most think iconic that's, you know what do you know what I think that's the visual that first came to mind mine too Bobby Orr's was Bobby Orr's what what reasons for you um, it's, it's personal. My family's from that area and it, it changed my relatives. It changed their lives. So it was just massive within my family. So that's, and, and it's uh, such a massive drought. It was just huge. Huge. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was my, my family, I, I, I had one actual Boston through and through fan, but everybody loved or like I heard about Bobby or mm -hmm. so much before I was 10 that, I couldn't believe, like, I'm, I'd be like, Mom, why didn't you just marry him? Like, hey, I just couldn't believe. But much then I realized it was about his professionalism as much as his talent as Jean Beliveau. Then all that started right. to, to hit home, especially after I went to Montreal. If you can think of a, of, of a memorable save. Oh, goodness. I think mine... Not that I had this queued up. Honestly, these are off the top of my head, but if it's, someone it's had funny. to ask I can't even. I can't even picture it. I'm more about how the moments make me feel mm -hmm. than the actual impress, than the impression of the moment itself. Um, save. When they if had I, to. If I had to, it would be one that nobody, the save that I would say, you wouldn't even register in your mind, but I'll go ahead. Go ahead then. No, no, go ahead. If anybody actually has this answer in your head, like, let me know. But it goes back to the Tampa-Calgary Stanley Cup final when mm -hmm. Martin Jelena scored. scored, But it, 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 it didn't go in. So to me, it, it went in, but it didn't. So whatever. Can you remember that? Martin Jelena, no one I, even talks I, about I remember, it. I remember yeah, the okay. series. I remember the series. Um, Vinny LeCavalier was one of my favorite players um, of always. And he yeah. certainly was during that time. And... I remember, I remember the series, but I don't, I don't, I'm not great. I don't have the best memory. I'm no Jeff Merrick, man. Like I cannot remember. If you ask me who was the leading scorer in, in 2001, I, I wouldn't be able to come up with it. I don't remember that type of stuff. So I, again, I remember the series as a whole and I, 
remember the celebrations afterwards when Tampa won, but I don't really remember singular moments, not from that. You know, I, it's, it's funny. I normally wouldn't, okay? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm very much like you when it comes to that, but I do remember specifically, and I just brought it up on my phone. So, because Brad Richards is a, is a personal friend from PEI. Right. So we, we were all really, we, you know, I watch, it's the Stanley Cup final. But if, the, if it's memorable to me any more than anything, it's because of that. I got, a, I got the stick. You know what Brad did? You know what Brad Richards did? So in the Stanley Cup Game 7, he brought out and he told us, he said, boys, I'm going to bring out, he, he used like six sticks in warm-up, and then he'd like take one out and tape it. and put. So he had like 20 in the room that he taped up and that he can say he used in the Stanley Cup Game 7, and he gave us all one. I have one in my basement. So that is we were, fantastic. We were riding along with him during that. So anyway, um, the puck comes out of the corner, and Martin Jelena tips it, and it, it's in overtime. I believe it's in game six. I could have this queued up, but whatever. We just went with the conversation, and I know it happened. Anyway, he deflects. He, he goes towards the net, and they didn't have video replay. If they did, I, I believe it would have been a goal. But uh, it, goes, it goes about an inch over the line, but then it comes back, and later in the game, they lose, and then they lose the series. But they would have okay. won, they would have won the series with that game. Again, again, that series was very personal to you. So that's why you feel that's why you feel so strongly about it. Whereas it wasn't to me. I just enjoyed the series for what it was. I was rooting for Calgary as a whole, just because you're in Canada. But I uh, was also very happy for several players on the Lightning at the time, and uh, Brad being one of them. And that, yeah, so I remember, so I remember the series as a whole, but I don't have a personal connection to it like you do. And that's why you will remember a specific. Yeah, moment. I think so. You know, who's amazing. Have you ever met Liam McGuire? I have not. So I met him for the first, you know, the hockey historian, you know, what I'm talking about. If you, if you I, I know the name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if you follow him on Twitter and, and I always knew of him. I knew of him as a reporter, but he would tag himself, you know, the hockey historian and okay. And we're all hockey historians. So I go to a golf tournament in PEI this summer. And he sat down with me and he, he just did a book on uh, Goldie Goldthorpe, which was the uh, basis for Ogie Oglethorpe in, mm -hmm. from Thunder Bay. And I was like, whoa, that, I said, like, you know, how long did it take you to do the research? He said, I had it done years ago. And he said, ask me anything. I was like, he said, start off with the Stanley Cup. I said, okay, who won it in 1921? Boom. He had the answer. I said, who's yeah, the see, I'm, I'm not that. No, I can't believe that he can do it. It must be some kind of photographic memory but this mm -hmm. you, if you ever meet him it, it's like a novelty it's like a party trick ask him anything about statistics up bearing like something he doesn't know and he's never you know of anything course. relevant in, in any year he, he could name you all the award winners and point getters from 1918 like you could for mm -hmm. this year the closest i've ever met to that and not i don't not that extreme but jeff merrick is like that he's it's <laughs> wild it's wild what that guy remembers do you and know gets, what's every reference i he, he does it's wild and every mm -hmm. time I, i'm glad you mentioned him i know jeff a little bit he phoned me you remember when alex ovechkin did that hot stick move after the goal loved it i, I loved it well yeah but you know you know that i that you know that's my move right did you know, I did that? Not know that no so merrick yes yeah, so you, like, you're talking about when his stick was hot he's like that is yeah and now people are going to listen to this and go oh come on now, when I say it's my move, I'm not saying he had a version of it. I'm saying he got it from me. I'm not, I'm not even saying that, oh, it's a similar move, and he came up with it. No, I'm saying me, and I'll tell you why, even though it's your interview. 
because I think you'll find this interesting. Um, so Merrick got wind that I used to do that in the Western League. Um, and we'll get into it later because I think you think that I don't like that passion and stuff. I love that shit. I just realized that it's hockey. And if, you know, if you're going to do it, you might get punched in the head. I knew that. So, but anyway, I, I got traded to Red Deer Rebels um, when I was still in Montreal as a 19-year-old. And I went because I knew B.J. Young was there and Aaron Ashman, a few players that I'd known. And, mm-hmm. and B.J. ended up scoring a lot. He's got 58 that year. But anyway, I only went there with like uh, 16 games left in the year and played the playoffs. But uh, we were on fire. Like, and I just had a real, you know, there's, there's talented and then there's luck. And then there's sometimes you're in a zone and the puck just comes to you. I scored from the red line twice on fake dumps in the playoff. I've never done it in my life. I did two in one playoff. Scored two from behind the net. One hit me. I had 18 goals in 16 playoff games, right? It was just crazy. And in the regular season, uh, 35 points in 16 games. I'd never scored at that rate. It was, but we all... The, the sum of the parts, whatever that saying is, you know, mm-hmm. Jay and I, and yeah, yeah. And Aaron, were just better together. So, and Greg Schmidt. So anyway, we would do these celebrate and we try to outdo each other. And it had often happened during the third three star celebrations. So we remember we doing the tiger Williams and then do something original. So I used to do the fishing rod, put out my stick, toe down, cast it out and then reel it in. And then BJ had come up with something else. And then anyway, this one day I went out and I put the stick down Except I really, really got into it. I got over it like The Undertaker, you know, and I was, I was kind of, and I ended up like just kind of, what's the word? Like it almost looks spiritual. And until I, then I, I'm rolling my eyes back and I'm looking at the ceiling and the whole place is going mad. So the next season I played in Fredericton and I did it again and Jose Theodore just loved it. And that was, that shit you didn't do in the A then. I stopped doing it about five or six games in. I mean, I was fighting heavyweights. I was doing the fishing rod and this shit. After that, it was like, you know, take it down a level. But you never get to you never get to criticize a player for hot dogging it again. You never get. But to I don't. Now that I've heard, I, I, I do because we you will have. No, I, you, I'll tell you. You, you. you have. You've given me the pretend you've been there before. Act like you've been there before. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I will tell you what. No, I've slightly. I've touched on it. I've touched on it because I think there's a time and a place. Would I okay. do? Would I do it if it was five to three and the other teams burn and have one of my own kid? Then, then someone on my own team is going to get run. No, but okay. I did it in the right situations. And well, the right, no, that's certainly not. I did it when I thought maybe it was a time. And I like the fans getting into it. Like we, I talked, I, I don't mind what PK Subban was doing and all that when he used to shimmy or whatever after goals. I just think there's a time and a place. Uh, but anyway. You, you definitely you have to read the room. I yeah, mean, you got to read the room. Absolutely. But I'd, I'd certainly rather have that and some personality than not. 100%. Uh, oh, my goodness. Oh my goodness! Way more. See, we've talked about that, but like I said, but and I will finish the story. But what what I'm what I what I and I want to get back to is that if you're going to do that in a sport with hitting and sticks, though, there's going to be fights. That's all. Now I'm fine with it because I didn't care, and now I think you could probably do it a little bit more and get away with it. But there is a time if you. It's always going to be the case if if you score to make it nine to one, and you're in another team's burn, someone could have got hurt or there could be anything. Uh, and I think the, the, the time and place is more and more obvious now and more and more there's more times and more places. But I still think it'll get you a punch in the face here and there. But regardless, so at the time that happened. But when I went to Fredericton, Jose Theater used to love it. And then at the end of practice, Theo used to get me, Donald McClain, a bunch of us to shoot on him, right? He, not that we were the best shooters. He might want five left shooters one day, five right, whatever it was. So I like going out anyway and shooting because I had to work on it. So I did it with Theo all the time. So anyway, Theodore loves this. He goes up to Montreal. He tells all the boys about it. 
Then he ends up getting NHL MVP, but a couple of years later, he gets traded to Washington. So I'm not, I get up, and this, I just went out. So BJ Young, God rest his soul, passed away, right? The guy I just mentioned that I used to do this with in junior, and that's my, my stepson, or, you know, I, I shouldn't say that, but I raised yeah. Tyson, I raised his son. So I was sitting there, I'd just been in Tyson's life. This was 2007, 2008, and BJ died at the end of 2005, and I went out to Alberta and spent some time with Tyson. So I woke up and I turned on the TV and I saw Ovechkin doing that hot stick and I went, oh my God. I said, Tyson, you're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe it. But me and your father used to do that all the time. And he's, no way, no way. The phone rings not five minutes later and it's Jeff Merrick at the time from Hockey Night Canada Radio in Toronto. He says, Terry, he, he, he stole your move. He aped your move. I said, oh, my God, how do you know? He went on. He told me all about it. He said, I remember you used to do that all the time. He said, do you want to come to Hockey Night in Canada Studios? I said, you know what? I'm flying home to Newfoundland soon anyway. I'll stop in. So I went up, and we talked about it for two hours. Excellent. And- that's an excellent story, and that's a perfect Jeff Merrick story. Of course he would have known. <laughs> yeah, of course he would have known you that. 100%. Right. Other than that, it was a few fans and my teammates, but he was, he knew the exacts, the specific games and everything. I'm sorry. I kind of hijacked your interview, but it, you know, it was an it's interesting your podcast. Do whatever yeah. you like. It is. We're just chatting. We're just chatting. We're just chatting. We're just chatting. Um, okay. So. But remember the outrage at the time when Ovechkin did that and it was the two schools of thought. You could basically separate fans down the middle. The ones who loved it and thought he deserved it because he scored a milestone goal and he's having some fun out there. And the rest, oh, it's disrespectful. You're disrespecting well, the That's not the hockey way. That's not how we okay, do but, it. Okay, but hockey. this is your, I'll go, I'll come back. Okay. I can't it's me, stand that garbage. I wasn't, I don't think it's garbage. I got, okay, now we're in this place that if people are on, on the other side of the fence, they're just like, it's garbage or it's bullshit. Look, some people like me were like, all right, but eh, you're on the road and you do it in behind the net. Like I, when I first did that, it was just during a third star of the game. Are you going to take your glove? I'm just saying it's the, be- it's the best player on the team. And if I'm next to him and he does that in my building, I might, I might break his nose. I don't care who it is. And if I'm real mad and I'm like Chris Pronger, I might lose my temper and cross-check him in the face. I might regret it the next day. But you're really leaving yourself open. I mean, he did it right next to the other team's net on the road. I'm not. It was that milestone goal. I know, but I, is, but I know your point. Like, I'm not disgusted. I'm just saying, uh-huh. ah, there was a better, eh, there was a better time and place to do it. Now it's legendary and it went down. And I've definitely done things like that that the next day I'm like, oh, wow. But I just don't think, and I know exactly what you're saying, but I, I think each time is, there's so many things going on that each time requires a different judgment call. And who are we to say? I'm just saying that I preferred he does it somewhere else. If, if, it, if it was between him doing it and not doing it, then I'd certainly rather say, fuck, keep it. Keep it in your repertoire there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's some times that are better than others. Now, sports, sports is entertainment. I want to be entertained. That is entertaining. But there's good and bad. I know, but we've had this before. There's good and bad. But I can, so you're saying anything is entertaining. Like to me, uh, there's there's certain things that are over the line, like when Sean Avery said, you know, sloppy seconds. Oh no, 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 right? no, 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 no! I'm not, I'm not, I'm not condoning classless behavior. That that's a yeah. whole different thing, and also that has nothing to do with the game of hockey. No, I, it I doesn't. Know exactly but, what you're talking about? Yeah, and uh, that that, right, but, but that led to him on the like, then on the ice. I mean, there, it, it's a slippery slope with him, right? Because he'd score and then do push-ups and. Again. Oh no! But you want okay? But we remember when Sean, um, they had to bring in the Sean Avery rule because he waved the stick in front yeah. of 
Marty Brodeur. It was yeah. Marty Brodeur, wasn't it? Yeah. And so they had to bring in the, uh, the Sean Avery rule that you can't do that. I thought that was incredibly yeah. entertaining. Of, it was of everything? Stupid. It was stupid, but it was harmless. First of all, it didn't hurt anybody. It was, it, it, it was just, it, it was interesting and it was something to talk about. And for, in that aspect, I actually do, I, I appreciated a lot of what Sean Avery brought to the game because he was, he acted a, a little out of order when others don't. Even if it was for narcissistic and ignorant reasons? Sure. He was out for himself. Like, he reminds me... It's entertaining. Uh, Terry, I don't want to have dinner with the guy. I honestly don't. I don't. He doesn't seem like he's a very nice oh, person. I know. Maybe he's wonderful. Maybe he's wonderful. I don't have... Uh, it's nothing to do with that. He was just bringing a certain element of entertainment to True. a sport I suppose, yeah. that I love that I think is missing it often. I'm me, so tired of the, the respect your opponent. Oh, we're just going to do our best tonight. I mean, I remember when they would do the interviews. So twice a year, the Leafs played the Oilers. And they talked to Austin Matthews and they talked to Connor McDavid. And oh, I just and the, all the interviews are, oh, I just respect, I respect his game so much. We're going to go out there and give it a group effort and blah, blah, blah. And horseshit, 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 horseshit. Wait, 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 wait. That might be true. You know, right? but, no, but you know what? You know what else is true? Connor McDavid in his mind is like, I want to wipe the ice with that guy. I want to score four goals and, and make sure he doesn't score. Yeah, I know, but Victoria, I want to wipe the floor with him. If he says that, he's that. putting it. Yeah, but if he says that, he's putting his team in jeopardy. Hockey. Then how, then how come everybody else gets to do it? They do wait, it. In wait, the wait, wait, wait. In other sports, in well, there's no yeah. stick because I don't have a stick in my. I don't have to go. Maybe I say that if I was on Pittsburgh Penguins and I said that, Sidney Crosby might get a stick in the face. You can't just go, you know, it's way more physical. Now, boxing, where it's physical is the nature of it, of course. Mike Tyson will say, I'm going to eat your kids to advance your holy field. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, you get way more. But hockey, first of all, there's way but more humble. Okay, wait. You can really hurt people in, in, in the NFL as well, but they're oh, far more. They're, yeah, they're far 16 louder. games. They can hit you with a helmet on. Thing. I 16 games things, a year. But... It's just easy. You can fight. Whether you agree with it or not, you can fight. You can drop your gloves. Now, it's a penalty. But if that's you, right. It's, not, it's actually you, not you can allowed. fight. I can get at you. It's not I can hit. There's no. There's no out of bounds. There's no out of bounds. You can get good. So hockey and a hockey players naturally are more humble. There are more hockey players from small towns that that's in, in now. Of course, there's personality and with with things like TikTok, you're seeing Brendan Gallagher. Um, I don't know if you have checked that out. Um, PK Subban really did a lot for that. But I I, I don't think we're ever going to be basketball where Allen Iverson can come on the thing and say fuck this. It's only practice. Because it's not the nature of hockey. And we'd look at, look at Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux, and this isn't only hockey. Look at the best athletes, Jordan or whoever it's going to be. They all have a level of uh, humbleness. What's the word? Uh, humility. Humility. And, um, you know, usually with the great players, that's part, of, part and parcel because they don't want to say that because they're, they're playing on a team. And if they say it, if Michael Jordan had said, I'm going to fucking mop the floor with the Lakers, then Scottie Pippen might get it. You know what I mean? So even though it's basketball and that's known, the greats still don't do it. Now, I know, I know what you're saying. I just don't think it's coming in hockey for the biggest reason. I'm, not asking, I'm, not, asking, I'm not asking Connor McDavid to be Allen Iverson. I'm asking Connor McDavid to be Connor McDavid, to be a little bit more candid. Yeah, but, okay, there's himself. 700 players in the league. That's, that's Connor McDavid, whatever makes him tick. You know, it's, it's working. I'm, I'm Whatever asking, he's doing I'm is working. To be real. And I, we're getting more of it. Every year, 
the the hockey player is coming a little bit wait, more wait, out wait, of wait, 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 wait. You're picking out specifics. You're saying Connor McDavid. Okay, so basketball That's has that. Example. There's all kinds one. of players in basketball that you're not going to hear of because they're not mm -hmm. like that. There's only five people out there, and they tend to be more – I mean, it's part of the – I don't – and I'm not saying that one culture is any better than the other. There's, there's reasons for it. You know, basketball, they play music during the game too. Do mm -hmm. you want that in hockey? No. There's just – there's some differences. And for me, that's the different I, – I learned early to shut my fucking mouth because the, the media is a, a weird place in hockey. Someone reads that on this. You hear it as soon as you skate on the ice. Hey, Ryan, you think you're going to score tonight, do you? I'm going to fucking bury you. That was my first game against Brendan Witt because I, I was 16 and I had like my first goal and I came out in the paper and said, I'm getting used to this league. I think I can score more. Oh, really? And he nearly put me through the boards. And I think that is why I'm, I'm, I'm raising my voice, but I think that's why I'm on that side of it. But I do. Hockey is funny. It's you got to, you know, it, it, there's a push and a pull, and I love it. I wish we saw more. Like, who, who are your favorite five players, for example? Who are my favorite five players right now? Off the top of your head, yes. Oh, who are, who are currently playing the game. Yeah, um, like I love, say, I love watching Patrick Kane. He's dynamic. He doesn't have the most outgoing personality, unless you're boozing with him after hours, I guess. But, yeah, so, but I love watching him for that explosiveness. Uh, but some people have the personality to go along with it, like Brad Marchand. No, that's exactly who I was going to bring up. And when, other than the dirty stuff, and he can keep the face looking to yeah, himself. Yeah, but wait, but wait, wait, wait. Other than. But that's him. I can say that about anything. What do you mean? Other than the dirty stuff and other than the face licking. But you're selective on these but that's, things. But, no, but no, that's no. Brad Marchand. That's why he's that's a dick. Breaking for, but he's breaking the rules. You can't lick somebody else's face. That's assault, for fuck's sakes. Like, yeah. you can't do that. I know. But but, okay, so you can't, exclude that, you can't exclude that from what Brad Marchand's makeup is. You can say, of course, well... Of course you can. Of course you okay, can. Okay, well, I love O.J. Simpson. I love O.J. Okay, Simpson. Okay, well, well, I know he did slip up, but I love O.J. Simpson. Like... You can't just omit it from. I like makeup. what I like what he brings to the game. I like the fact that the game has a villain. Everybody can't stand him if you're not a Bruins fan. No, Everybody. okay, so and so it's then, nice to have bad guys. Okay, you so you're saying guys, it doesn't matter how bad, bad they are. So you're saying it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't matter. You, okay, can't, well, you can't assault somebody. You can't assault somebody. But okay, but he did, and you're putting him on your list. Is what I'm saying. I know. So I, I know what you're saying. So in an ideal in an ideal world, right? But he did, and he might again. So your favorite player might go out there and do that again. He's not my favorite player, but I think he brings a lot to the game. I like P.K. Subban a lot as well. Just I like the ones that stand out. Taylor Hall has a personality. Well, you like, you like P.K. Subban then for his personality. You, you must, I like, I mean, I, this year I, you're doing fantasy. He would be the last person to take in the league. This year, he's made me look very foolish, yes. <laughs> he's no, been I mean, a big everybody. disappointment. I, again, everybody. I, looking back. He had some transitions in his life, and I don't want to put words there, but if I was doing fantasy, I probably wouldn't think of other things like that coming in. What I'm saying that he married, a, you know, it, it, he's happily married. He's at a different, he's getting older. He's a charitable guy. He's doing a lot of that. I just don't think he's the same player on the ice, but that's, you know, everybody. Oh, well, clearly. I mean, this, this year with New Jersey has been a unmitigated disaster. It's, it's just been absolutely awful. I think, he's gonna, I think he's going to bounce back, but he's never going to be the player that he was five years ago. I agree with you. Yeah, and I, again, I, I hope, and, and I, I do see a bit of a bounce back. I think he can put it there. He's young enough, yeah, but he probably mm -hmm. won't be what he used to be. Okay, name me a, name me a few of your other players. 
did I like for what they do on the ice or just so I like them for their personality or a combination of the two? Um, I was big. Okay, it's done now. I'm a big Roberto Luongo fan, probably my favorite goalie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, this is I out like, of curiosity. I, you don't, you don't, it's not to do with personality anymore. I'm just curious what a fantasy. Well, I mean, I, I, I love the way Ovechkin plays. Me too. He brings everything to the table. You didn't always feel that way. I remember some conversations we've had in the past. You said, I know, you but, promised but me again, he was never going to win the To my point, <laughs> but to my point, he changed. Alexander Ovechkin first came in the league. He was selfish. And I think it was really obvious. And we, we, we used to argue about Crosby. And I said, Crosby, to that point, is clearly the better player. He has two Stanley Cups at that point. He had an Olympic. It, it just always seemed like, you know, Ovechkin's in the world championships every year. They can't win one. He goes to the Olympics every year. They can't win one. They can't. Now, I think he learned from Crosby. I think that whole feud, I'm not, I'm not saying Sidney Crosby's the reason, but I think that all helped him when he came over to North America. And it's always Sid versus Ovet. Then he started to see Sid's on this team. He's, the way Sid handles himself in interviews, right? That we, we want personality, but we also want people that are professional. There's a level of, there's a Jean Bellevauxism in there somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that Ovechkin, now I love him now. And when he won it, I, w I was pumped. That was, that was our, our debate, if you want to call it that, was I think four or five years ago. No, it was two years ago. We were sitting in... Uh, wasn't two, because it was, no, it definitely ago. wasn't after Washington won. It was after they no, lost the it president. No, was, it, was, it was the year Washington won. Okay. I flew back from Newfoundland and then Washington won the cup. And I called you up. I remember very specifically. Well, I, I, was, I think I was saying, yeah, yeah, but... And that's... Yeah, I, I'm not disputing it. And I... Like, I cheered. I was happy that he won it. He's also one of the greatest scorers we'll ever see, and you want to see him win. You want to say, I was alive when Tiger Woods Absolutely. won. Absolutely. I was alive when Jordan did that. I was alive. When... So I'm proud of him. I, yeah, I, at first, he rubbed me the wrong way, but everybody learns, man. He was a kid. He was 20. But he's still having some fun, and he's still good to see his personality. And I'm not... Love I, that, I, yeah. Sidney Crosby is great, but I think Sidney Crosby is exactly who he is. That's who he is. He is yeah. more stoic and more reserved. He is an Alexander Ovechkin. I don't want Sidney Crosby to be Alexander Ovechkin. He's perfect the way he is. So you don't and think Alex Ovechkin Conor McDavid can take is. the cup. Pardon? But maybe Connor McDavid is just blah. That's maybe. just... I'm giving... I just... I want all the players out there to feel they can be who they are. If they're quieter guys, Sean Monaghan is never going to be an outrageous clown. He doesn't have that. Right. And it, it, unfortunately and for I'm you. I'm not asking him to, but if there's some personality, I'm not, I'm not, it's a different type of personality. If you're, there's a more outgoing part of you. I just want them to be candid. Yes. I want them to be honest. And but candid. listen, That's unfortunately it. for you, most of the hockey world isn't. I don't think people aren't being themselves. They're just not raised the same way Alan Iverson. I will never agree with you. And it's not you. a race thing either. It's not a race thing. I'm saying it's just there's one culture and there's another culture. Well, okay, go to every junior race. Talk to reporters. I've talked to a lot of reporters. Yeah. We've never talked yeah. about that. Most say hockey guys are the easiest to get along with and to interview. I've heard that. Okay, so why, why, there's got to be a reason. So they approach their life with professionalism and humility and give other people credit don't want to step out of line now i'm one of those too but i'm also the other side if i mm -hmm. score a goal everybody in the rink's gonna know probably the cab driver's outside right mm -hmm. like i'm gonna go fucking mad if i win a championship you might not see me for three days i might be literally in bikini briefs running around george street or wherever i am in the world easy so I, to I, picture i like to go both but you know i gotta be <laughs> yeah I, I gotta be honest most teams i played on the vast majority aren't like that. And they're not hiding anything. They're just not Do you like think that. it's changing, though? Don't you think it's evolving and it's softening? The rules are softening yeah, but, a little bit? 
Totally. I think there are more I think maps. That, I think that's now. across. Yeah, I think that's across the board, in everything, and not just hockey, not not just and, the sports. I mean, in in. I think it's benefiting hockey though that that some players feel a little bit more comfortable to be themselves. I think it's benefiting the sport. It's making it more entertaining. That's all. Another thing. No, no, for sure. And I think there's just more platforms. Like I think Brendan Gallagher. Let's say Brendan Gallagher. I don't think he just said, I'm going to start having a personality. 100%. But TikTok came along and it's a, it's and the timing of all this now we're in, timing is often everything. I, I've often, even when I say, I'm digressing a bit, but the Beatles, like, you know, TVs were just coming in. The recording was just coming into its own. The war was happening. TVs went black and white or black and white to color. So the, the timing of what the Beatles were doing, you know, and people wanted something to rebel against was, you know, it all kind of came together. It's kind of like this. Hockey did need that, and now there's all these platforms that they mm-hmm. can do it, and hockey will grow, to your point, to your point. Hockey will grow, I think, exponentially uh, quick, and that quicker than the other sports when it comes to that because they're already there. Uh, but in, listen, that's that's – I've actually kept you for longer than I said, and I'm sorry. And um, that's fine. I love my, my, I schedule get, the, my schedule isn't all that full. These I days. love, I love, I love. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you on again. I love your passion. I really do because I'm passionate as well, and you're very well informed. And there are, I think, both of us are uh, given some opinions that, um, what's the word? I think they're shared by a lot, but they're similar, right? Like what we're saying is similar. We're not on one. I'm not way over here and you're not way over here. So I, and we're going to get there on fighting too. We just don't have time today. And that's a whole nother package. So we're going to have to get you back on because I do, though I disagree with you on most, you have good points and you can debate it better than anybody I've ever met. That's true. Um, So with that, do you mind sticking around for five minutes? Penny Lane got a podcast. She's just going to ask you five questions. Of course. Takes about five minutes. Absolutely. Um, but for right now, so I'm going to send you, I'm going to end this one now and send you the invite to Penny Lanes and then just come on for five minutes if you don't mind. Super duper. That's the Princess Penny podcast for those that uh, want to check it out tomorrow. Uh, and Victoria Matiash, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Uh, interesting cat and uh, one of my good friends. Look, I thought we were going 15 minutes. We were going more than an hour. Okay, well, uh, thanks for coming on Tales with TR, and I'll get right back to you soon. We'll have you back on here soon, and uh, stay safe. My pleasure. Looking forward to it, and same to you and your family. And so that's it for another episode of Tales with TR. Thank you very much to Victoria Matiash. She's an interesting guest. We'll have her back, especially when hockey starts up. Uh, Being a fantasy expert and reporter, she'd probably uh, help a lot of you guys and girls. With your picks, I know a lot of you are into it. Uh, I certainly am. I'd like to thank the sponsors, CoolHockey.com. Go to CoolHockey.com, type in THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. THPN is all you got to type in for a uh, discount. That's the promo code, THPN. Uh, Patreon, if you'd like to support us, go to Patreon.com slash forward slash the Hockey Podcast Network. Patreon.com slash the hockey podcast network and of course penny posh uh women's wear reimagined go to penny posh designs if you'd like a hoodie they're marked down from 129.99 to 69.99 and i'm going to throw in a signed picture and so will my father you know the deal uh, let me know send me a dm if you're interested they're unbelievable hoodies of course and we will uh throw in those pictures and uh, and a hockey card as well so Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, everybody listening. 
I know that it's getting a little bit monotonous. It's a trying time. It's a bit of adversity we all got to face, but let's do it together. Uh, it's better to be safe than sorry. And uh, this is going to get more, way more frustrating. We're close to the beginning. Uh, but we're, uh, you know, stay safe. Follow the rules. Be there for each other. Be a good fucking human. How's that? Uh, make smart decisions. And stay safe, as I already said. And we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Love you guys. Catch you on the rebound.